welcome to episode 32, or 33, jeez, losing it, uh, 33 of the Gold Card Podcast. Uh, I am Vince Galati at Gelati, LOL. With me tonight, we have John George at the Esports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? And unfortunately, that's it for now. Uh, so me and John are going to take some time and recap the first four games of the, well, four games, the, first, the only four games of the quarterfinals, <laughs> or the quarterfinals. <laughs> First four games to play off. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna recap the four match, uh, the four quarter ma- final matchups, and then uh, later in the week we're probably gonna go over. Uh, we're gonna record this in two parts this week. We're gonna uh, go over the mat, the semifinal matches when the lines come out for those. Uh, hopefully with the whole cast, and this will be out sometime later in the week for you. So, what did you think of the quarterfinals just in general, John? Fun, exciting, uh, every match. Every match had me like thinking it could go either way, even though they all like none of them went to game five. I was talking to Tim Seven Hughes on Twitter. I hope I didn't butcher his name, but I was talking to Tim on Twitter and like really, I think the percentage of teams that win a game four and then win the series is extremely high. Like whoever wins game four is is really likely to win the series. And so even when it's two one. I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, well, if the team that only has one game wins game four, they might even be a favorite to win game five, even if they're behind now. So I was pretty much excited going into, like, every game of every series that it could go either way. Even Splice, man. Splice started out really good in game four, and I was like, hey, man, if they put the pressure back on SKT and win this game four somehow, like, who knows how it goes in game five. So every series was exciting for me. I had a lot of fun. I kind of had, like, I had really, really torn thoughts on this because, like, I think they were all exciting games to watch, but I also thought, like, the level wasn't quite as high as I thought it was going to be in some of the games. Not all the games, but in some of them, which is, I know, kind of a buzzkill thing to say, but, like, the games were exciting. Like, absolutely, that wasn't that wasn't an issue at all. Uh, I just thought it was uh, quite a bit sloppier than I thought. Maybe some nerves kicking in for people. And I think sometimes, too, when you have, like, a, like these are pretty dominant teams. All the teams we're dealing with now are all pretty absolutely. dominant teams. And I think sometimes you look worse than you have in the past if you go for, you know, a crazy turret dive. Like G2 versus Damwon this morning is a good example. You go for like a crazy level one, level two turret dive or whatever, and you're playing against slightly better players. So it doesn't look as clean as it normally would. Or the enemy jungler knows what's going on better than Memento would over in the LEC. So maybe he's a little closer than Memento would be. So maybe it gets turned around. Like some of these plays that make these teams look awesome on the regular look a little bit worse when you're playing against better competition. So I think maybe the fact that their opponents are better are just making everybody look a little bit more grounded than we're used to. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's a certain amount of that happening. That like I think we all see these teams dominate their regions and like have a general perception of how they look and how they're supposed to look uh, in a game. And we kind of get, yeah, like you said, like it, it ends up looking a lot different when they're playing against like, comp- like actual competition for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that said, I do think there's, like, certain things you can point to that are just, like, cleanliness and technique things that are, like, not what we've come to expect from some of these teams. Uh, we're going to go into that one in just a little bit about Griffin. Um. Yeah, and this is a conversation me and you had on Twitter, but I think a really good example of one of these, like, things that you can do against your local region teams that you can't do at this level are these aggressive linear comps. That's, like, it's my thing that we've talked about a number of times, but, like, these aggressive linear chase comps where we're like we got to just win and snowball on them i think those comps are so less likely i'm all right with g2 taking a comp like that against shulka but i'm not all right with them taking a comp like that against damn one or 
same thing with IG and, and Griffin. I'm all right with IG taking that comp against OMG, but I'm less all right with them taking it against Griffin because I think yeah. those, these teams are just so much less likely to lose to these like linear aggressive comps. So that's another example of something that I think we saw a it's lot kind this of, weekend. It's kind of an interesting give and take, though, because on, on one hand, it, it could be considered a way to attack a better team, too. It's I think it's like, a way I, to I think it's just a, a school of thought. Team. I think like, it's a school of thought. Like, oh no, are you, are you so you're saying it's like a way to like introduce Splice did it? Yeah, if Splice yeah. did it that against SKT, I'd be all right with it because it's like this gives us a shot to snowball this game against the better team. But when you're playing against somebody who's very good and on your level, I think it's a bad strategy in general. They can just take like literally a rise and then three champions that defend well at the early game and then just sit there and not let you kill them. And then the rise will just solo win the game in the late game or some champion like that, you know? Yeah. So, um, mostly, mostly agree there. Do you want to go into the, we'll just go into the first yeah, quarterfinal. Just so into we'll go into the first quarterfinal. Cause this is, the, and this will be good. Cause this is the one I have the most thoughts about. Uh, obviously if anybody checked out Twitter yesterday, yeah. I was pretty, uh, I was pretty dialed up about this one. So we had a uh, Griffin, Against Invictus, Invictus get the three to one victory. Uh, dude, I I went off about this. I did I did my takeaways uh, going into today, like on the blog today, and I'm probably not going to be able to convince people otherwise. But I would feel bad not putting how I actually felt about this out there, and I I really do think that I don't want to say the worst team won, but I think the better team definitely just threw away the first two games of this series like you could say all you want about the draft with the garen yumi in game one but like they were ahead enough in that game where if they don't botch that herald fight they could have choked this game out and, and taken it down before the cogma scaling mattered uh they griffin so here's my here's my thing you could look at this one of two ways you could look at this the way i did which is that griffin just either i don't i don't know if it was nerves i don't know if this is a choke job or what but they made a huge mistake that they almost never do. And maybe you could have seen that, like, they got, what was their nickname over the course of the LCK season? The great GRF, the Greatly Reluctant Fighters, right? <laughs> yeah. You kind of saw that, like, that was, that was a potential problem for this team. That did come back to bite them a few times in the LCK, but rarely with a lead. And we it, most of the time it was from behind. It was that they weren't taking a shot at getting something when it was, when it was there. It was almost never with a lead, right? And this was a case where I don't know if it was nerves or or what or a split call or just a mistake, but all they needed to do in that situation was make a choice, just any choice, and they'd made no choices. And that was like – I'm talking specifically about the Game 1 Herald fight. All they needed to do was turn onto one person, turn onto this other person, or just not do it. Any of those options were good. Now – with that kind of comp, you do want to get the Herald, so I do think the choice was to go take it and then just take the fight, and they just didn't turn off the fight. They just got poked down in the back of the pit, and then <laughs> Invictus get the ace, and all of a sudden you have a 3-0 and 2 Cogball. So yeah. I could go into more X's and O's on all this, but like I, I am I am absolutely confident that they win that game if they take that Herald down and get out like even a little clean, or if they don't even take the Herald down and just take the fight and then reset and do it again. Because then they would have been able to choke the jungle out. They had both outer towers down already, like they were set up and just botched it. Game two, it was the same kind of thing. It just took until later in the game. I think game two, they weren't as all in on their composition as they were in game one. But game one, the Cogmall definitely could have outscaled. And one more note about game one, too. Invictus still almost threw that game away. 
Jackie Love was I don't, I don't know what he was thinking at points in that You're game. You're like, the Cogma kit. Yeah, like I have no idea what they're. I actually like the Invictus draft. I thought it was great. I've been waiting yeah. for someone to find a way to punish this. I thought the Cloud Nine uh, Sona Tom was a creative way to challenge it. Uh, I thought uh, I thought the I thought this was a creative way to challenge it. This is something that I've tried with my squad is is doing Lulu Coggins these Bruiser bot lanes. It's great, right? Because mm-hmm. you're not really any under any threat. Uh, Jackie Love, I don't know what he was smoking in this game, but they got away with it because of that boss Terrell. If he doesn't get if he doesn't get boosted to that, I'm I'm just confident Griffin win this game. They're so good with lead, but so we saw that. Uh. It was good on Invictus because, like, Invictus knew is like, okay, like, if we're going to do something here, we're, we're just going to get snowballed on if we don't take a fight here. So I do want to give Invictus credit. Like, I know I kind of come across as someone that's saying, okay, like, this this team bots this and it was all that. It's not always that. Like, the other team does need to do everything that they're supposed to do to get into to, – to make something like this happen. It's not just all on one squad, right? I said the same thing about Fnatic and SKT, which we'll get into later, I'm sure. But, like, it's not just on – the winning team to lose. I just think it was definitely more on that than Invictus doing it. If Invictus was doing certain things to put in place that I could like give credit to, to like give a lot more credit to and like put more weight on to say they won this series or like they were doing proactive things, especially I'm talking mostly about the first two games. Then I could give them credit for that and say like, okay, they just outplayed them. And that's where, that's how that comes from for me. Uh, I think in the, in the first two games specifically, it was just, Botched decisions by Griffin. They made two massive mistakes, one in each game, that cost them the game. Not like literally on the spot. I mean, it wasn't like they cost them the game, they lost right away, It would, but it cost them the game and they eventually lost because of it, right? And, I mean, we saw in Game 3, Game 3, I think Game 3, Invictus played better <laughs> than they did in the first two games, and they lost. So... And then Game 4, Invictus definitely just, like, outclassed them. Like, they just played better. I don't know if, if you know, people can talk about... I'll, I'll let you jump in, because there's a whole other angle to this I want to talk about. But, like, I don't know, did you feel the same way I did or no? I thought there was two lenses you could look at this series through. And it kind of depends. How you view the series kind of depends which lens you're looking through. I think the first lens, and I think they're both very legitimate. The first lens is I do think Griffin was winning three of these four games. Like, you could look at it through the lens of, in three of these four games, Griffin got themselves in a position where they should win, and then two of them, they didn't win those games, but they had themselves in a position to win them. Where, And I think that's a reasonable lens. The other lens you can look through, and I think I looked through it more this way when I was watching it, is I, when I went into this series, I said each of these teams had a strength, and Griffin's strength was their strong, fundamental games that was going to procure leads. Their decision-making is very strong. Invictus's strength is stellar individual plays and moments that can break a whole game open. And basically the lens I looked at it through was both the teams did what I expected them to do, which was Damwon came out and played good, strong, fundamental league and got leads. And then Invictus Gaming made over-the-top extra plays that took over those games despite the leads that they gave up. Like, I think Invictus is not a team that just, we both know, Invictus is not a team that just comes out and plays a good, solid, standard game where they don't make any mistakes and then they win the game. Like, they come out and make all kinds of mistakes, and then they make brilliant plays to try to overshadow the mistakes that they're making. And so this is kind of what I thought was was one of the two things that could happen. I said going in that we were going to find out pretty quick if Griffin's fundamental strength was going to overpower IG's, like, diamond level, you know, uh, not, not diamond league, but extra level highlight plays, basically. 
and that we'd figure out pretty quickly which one of those two things was going to win. And I think that's what we saw was in game one, Dan one played a solid, or uh, Griffin played a solid style, got their lead, and then Invictus made a couple really big plays that took the game over. And I think the same thing happened in game two. And it was just about whether Griffin could was on the level to be able to compete with those plays and, and nullify those, and they didn't in those games. So I thought Invictus looked better to me for the whole series um, because both teams were doing what they did well, and what Invictus did well was overpowering what Griffin did well. I think that's like a that's a, like I agree with the two lens take. Like it just depends on on the you know the lens you're looking through. Uh, I'm clearly looking at it through this Griffin loss the, the, again, like the first two games because the 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 other two like they played out how I thought they'd play out. Like Invictus in Game Four definitely just that like they just beat them straight up like all through like through and through right. But uh, oh man, it's to me it's just so frustrating seeing Griffin go out this way, and I kind of expressed this in in the takeaway blog and on Twitter yesterday. But like, it's so frustrating seeing this team go out this way because, like, the hallmark of their style was I can I can literally count on one hand how many leads Griffin have thrown this like since they've come into being three seasons. Yeah. Uh, they they that's like what they do is they don't lose when they get a lead on. And they yeah. win a lot of games from behind that they shouldn't like you know they shouldn't win because they're they they do everything they're supposed to do, so it was just really disheartening for me to see them like be set up to succeed and then just lose. And, and that's kind of the beauty of this tournament, though, isn't it? Is we have oh yeah, all, absolutely. We have the best teams at various different types of play, and I think they're like we we saw what the, both of these teams do well. Griffin came out against an insanely good Invictus squad, got leads got themselves in positions to win. Like, that's super credit to Griffin. And then Invictus came out and did what they did and made some mistakes and then had some stellar super fights to bring the games back. And that's what Invictus does for the most part. And, like, that's what's so cool about it for me. Because, I mean, if if having a solid, safe, fundamental style was always the best way to play, Origin would be here. Like, that's they, they play a safe, solid, fundamental say, I'm style. Not, I'm not, I'm not they putting just get, them in the same ballpark as Griffin, but I get what you're yeah, saying. They just have the... You know, they just play a safe, solid style, but they don't have the 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 teamwork and the individual skill to make up for G2 making plenty of mistakes, but then just highlighting them over and over and over again. And so I just thought that was how this series went, was like, I don't think Griffin played as well as IG on the day. I don't think their players played as well. I mean, we didn't really talk about yeah, it I yet. Was gonna, I was going to bring this up next. The shy just absolutely dumpstered sword every single game. Yeah, I so, mean, let's, let's go into that one a little bit, because I think that was that that's a, that's a, a narrative that I think is going to... Maybe even overshadow the 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 choking the narrative. Game. Honestly, like I think, and I kind of went into it with a ton of people on Twitter about this yesterday. Some some interesting conversations, some less interesting conversations. But I, I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like Sword got bodied, right? Yeah, and, he got and he got like, pretty bad for the shorts. And I think like I think people are going to point to Game Four specifically because he was like set up to succeed in that one, but like the first three games, he just got smoked. Like that's, there's, there's no debating it. Like I, I think there were times where he actually like, there was a lot of like things that weren't like highlight reel things wrong that he was doing wrong. That like, if you go back and actually watch the VODs for this game, like it's like really like lower key stuff that he was doing wrong. Just wave mismanagement. Uh, yeah, and you, the biggest difference, let me cut you just for a yeah, second. This is a perfect example of what we saw today. There was the game where it was Jace Kale, 
and he was Jace, and he won just like slightly. He like won the lane slightly, but it's against Kale, so it doesn't really feel like a win. But if you watched earlier today, there was a, a Jace lane with Wonder, and as soon as Wonder got even a slight lead, he just kept the wave by his turret the rest of the game. The, I think it was a Kale. My memory's so bad. But the, his opponent just couldn't do anything. Like he was so, like, instantly down 50 farm because he just couldn't do anything once the Jace yeah. was ahead. Whereas when Sword got a little bit ahead, then it just didn't even feel like he had an advantage at all. And yeah. like those are the kind of things you're talking about. Yeah. And I think like one, we, we kind of we went into it a little on Twitter too about how this isn't a matchup that you can. This is enough of a counter pick that there's no like outskilling this from the Kale side. Like Jace just beats you in every yeah, way she yeah, can, except you. in the two. It, so it doesn't matter how big of a gap there was between Sword and the Shy. Like it didn't matter. Yeah. The problem was when you have fundamental problems, like you're mismanaging stuff like that. Like when you like, he got the wave stuck under Kale's tower. That's like the worst possible thing that can happen. Now that's what Kale wants. I played a lot of Kale, yeah. and I dream, I dream of them just shoving it into my tower. Oh so I can yeah, play. it's like <laughs> so you have like that situation, and then I think like I, I talked about it a little. I chopped it up a little about game four. How like I, game four. There was things that were his fault, and there were things that were not his fault. Like I know when we went into Game Four, I, I initially liked the Karthus pick. Like I thought it was it was mm-hmm. nice. It took me like a minute into the game to realize, like, oh shit, like they're just leaving Sword on an island because Karthus isn't going to be able to track. Z- yeah, he's not going to be able to track Nang at all. Like there were there was no way for. I mean, you can track him in the sense of like, okay, like I can communicate to you where he's supposed to be, but you don't. Act, you're working with imperfect information, whereas. What makes Tarzan so good is that is that he is basically perfect information for you. Like that's what's so good. <clears throat> that's what's so good about how he plays is, and it's what allows Griffin to do what they do, and it's why they haven't had that much success with Karthus. I thought the pick was fine. Like looking at the team comps, I was like, oh, like if Invictus are going to be sloppy like they've been, then yeah, like this is a great pick. At least exactly the kind of pick that can punish Griff or Invictus, but. After looking at it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, this means that, like, Sword's going to have no help, which means he has to play this lane perfect, which means... Well, not even perfect. Like, more importantly, it means that you can't play aggressive like you're supposed to play against the Kale. Like, the Jace against Kale matchup is all about, like, the, the range advantage and the fact that Jace is supposed to step up and have all in potential on you and zone you off the wave, right? Yeah. That's how it's supposed to be played. You can't play that way when you don't know the jungler is because Jace doesn't escape ganks well. So, all Ning needed to do was, like provide any kind of presence top lane get a flash and all of a sudden the lane is not as lopsided anymore because it basically broke the way jace is supposed to be able to play out against kale in that matchup so game four that said he also mismanaged a wave and gave up that freeze and that was on him that wasn't from a gank that wasn't from anything that was him just messing up right so and Ning had really good timing to show up right when it was frozen there. So when he went to try to break the freeze, you, I mean, you saw this play where he was like, he knew he knew that Ning was probably there, and almost escaped the gank. I don't know why he went back in. That's that's another thing. But like, I'm just saying, like, I, I wanted to make a point of this because it's a good example of like, this is a situation where the player is going to look a lot worse. But he, we should be criticizing him for other things, not the thing that, like, not just looking bad. We should be criticizing him for other things, like, the specific things not instead just of what's stats. looking bad. Yeah, like, it's too easy to just look at CS advantages and be like, oh, man, that guy got bodied. Most of the time, it's true. But in this case, in specifically in Game 4's case, there was a lot more to it. So, 
Maybe you could argue that if you had a better top laner, you wouldn't need to be doing all this stuff. That's a totally reasonable argument, too. How but... do you feel about the... Uh, I watched the clip from <clears throat> LS and Atlas watching these games. Uh, they did their own stream yeah, where they I watched it and live-reviewed. And uh, for God's sakes, I mean, claw my fucking ears off having to listen to <laughs> LS. But uh, what do you think about the point that they were making? Like, Atlas was pretty actually beat up and, like, saying, like, out loud on the stream, like, Sword should feel really fucking bad about the fact that he's even playing these games. Like, he should yeah. not be here. He knows he shouldn't be here. It's like, he was, like, actually really mad at Sword. Like, how do you yeah. feel about that whole... Um, so, I don't have as much of an issue with caster bias as a lot of people do. I have an issue with it when it's, like, in the broadcast, but, like, I have no problem with people thinking that way. In terms of the actual situation, uh, I kind of said this going into the... Like, as soon as we saw that Sword was going to be playing, like, in the group stage... As soon as we knew that, I, I, I've always had the same thing. I don't think Sword is a bad player. I don't think he's bad either. He's not. It's If you look at the level of top lane play in the LCK and consider the fact that he's like probably like middle of the table-ish, is like that's like pretty impressive, right? The problem is, when you're up against the Shy, you're going to get destroyed. And I think... And I mentioned this before we went in, too. Like, I think Doran is a more well-rounded player. I think Sword on his champions is better. So when we saw in group stage that he busted out the Gangplank, and he's, like, not a Gangplank player, mm. and he looked good on that Gangplank, like, managing a counter lane in the Fiora in that match. It was a Cloud9, it was a Cloud9 game, right? Like, that, that matchup is all about cutting losses and doing everything else, and he did a really good job of that, because that's a lane that you can just get run over in, and you can look real, real bad, and he looked pretty good in that game. Now, obviously, Licorice isn't the shy, but, like, Licorice is a pretty good player. Oh, right? he's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so I was impressed. I was like, oh, my God, like, maybe this is why they're starting him. Maybe he's just got it right now. You know, like, that was my thought. I was like, okay, like, the, the champion pool makes sense for him, right? Like, the, the, meta, the top lane meta right now is good for him. Part of why he got benched was that the top lane meta over the course of the summer was not good for him. We don't know if that's the only reason he got benched. That's a lot of the speculation happening right now. Um, I, I mean, I just don't know. Like, I'm, I wish I was a fly on the wall and I knew that it was actually just like, oh, I'm buddy-buddy with the coaching staff, so I get to start, right? But, like, they kicked all those people out and they still started him. So, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know, like, see the scrims that these guys do and all that, because so I, I, I don't. I don't know. I'm not there. Maybe he was outperforming Doran in swords, may, or in, in scrims. Maybe they were afraid of how Doran would show up on the stage. Like who knows? It could have been Doran could have just been sick, and we had no idea, right? We yeah. had no clue. So um, I'm not going to make any speculation either way, but I absolutely won't deny that he was he was terrible. Like he was he was really bad. And I saw a really interesting take on this whole thing. Was like, okay, like Griffin. I think Griffin definitely threw the first two games, but. Somebody else, I forget who it was, it might have been Josh Roberts, I forget who it was, but somebody made a really, really good point about how, like, yeah, they threw those games, but if they had a better top laner, or someone that could, like, at least hang, yeah. then maybe they would have had a chance to come back and they wouldn't have had to, like, they wouldn't have been operating on such razor-thin margins, you know? Like, yeah. maybe maybe they didn't, maybe they could have afforded to make those mistakes if they had a more even matchup kind of situation. Personally, yes, I think arguments be made there, and yeah, you know, yeah. IG disrespected him too. IG last oh, yeah. picked that Kale into the Jace, knowing oh, yeah, they that knew that's, it. The, that's the one that you can't win, basically. Yeah. Although, so, in hindsight, that looks less 
of a disrespect situation than it did because of the Karthus pick. Like, maybe they saw the Karthus pick and were like, okay, he's just not going to have any help. So it won't matter that he's Jace, you know, like, if we yeah, just, like, could... gank him once. Because that is the one thing Jace doesn't deal well with, his ganks. It's not like some of these other top laners where he can get out of something. Like, he can, but it's a lot harder to, so. Yeah, I had a lot of thoughts on that series. Uh, I, uh, we were talking before the cast. I personally think... And this is a, a hot take. I'll, I'll, I've already gotten a ton of shit on Twitter for it, but like, I personally think the best team is out of the tournament now. Uh, so that that's that's where I'm at with this. Invictus did look good. Um, they did exactly. Th- Invictus performed as I expected Invictus to perform, which is like, I mean, they're good. Uh, it's good to know now that we've seen they're not. We now know that Invictus, they're not going back to what they did last year. They're just playing straight up and just relying on their, their individual ability. And their te- they have good teamwork, too. But, like, they're relying on that. They're not relying on this pacing-based play that they were before. Like, you saw them win with Kale. Is that something yeah. you would have imagined Invictus doing <laughs> six months ago? No. So, yeah, not really. So, on one hand, it's like, okay, they no longer have that, that pacing and tempo advantage. Like, that was an intangible for them that, like, made them such a threat and made them so hard to deal with. But now they have this new wrinkle that they can just play straight up like anyone else, and they're as good. And I said this going like go, like coming out of groups, I was like the fact that this team, like whether it was Ning or Leanne, the fact that this team just like completely one eighty'd how they play, and not not completely one eighty. I'll say like you know halfway yeah, there. They right? changed it up there. The bit. fact that they changed up their fundamental like stylistic approach to the game and are still a top eight team in the world is a testament to how good they are. So I don't want to yeah. take anything away from. I want to take a tiny little bit away from Invictus. They're still an excellent team. There's a good chance that they can go the distance in this tournament. So, um, I had a lot of thoughts on that one. I mean, to like go completely on it, but that's the one I had the most thoughts about in this whole thing because I thought Griffin was a tremendous disappointment. Um, yeah, I mean, I had IG winning the event. I didn't. I didn't like Griffin's chances. I thought their chances of beating IG were fairly reasonable, like like right near fifty percent. Yeah. But I did think I didn't include them in my futures portfolio because I didn't think that they would beat either G2 or SKT, whoever came out of the other side of the bracket. I didn't like their chances against. So I didn't think they were going to win the event, but I did think that they had a very good shot of beating Invictus. So go on to the next one. Uh, so yeah. second match we had yesterday was Fun Plus Phoenix against Fnatic. Uh, Fun Plus with the three one. This this was a weird one. Uh, on one hand, you could look at it and be like, Fnatic were disappointing. I think that's one way to put it. Uh, but maybe they just were what they were, and FunPlus just outclassed them, and I think we all like were sleeping on FunPlus a little bit. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. it's, kind of, it's, it's kind of a tough one to evaluate, because, I, I mean, FunPlus absolutely bodied this series. I know they lost the one game. I liked the Vagar pick a lot, by the way. But, yeah. um, I mean, FunPlus just outclassed them in every way. Like, in every way, shape, or form. Like, I, I totally agree. I, I said to you before we started the cast, I think the team that gained the most respect for me in the quarterfinals was probably Fun Plus. Like, I do think people were, they had a kind of a tough group stage and people were starting to like not even consider them like a, but this is the team that crushed the LPL and the LPL has, you know, maybe the best teams in the world. It's hard to, hard to put an exact stamp on it, but among the best teams in the world and Fun Plus just crushed the LPL. So, you know, it's, it's tough for people to go in there and say like Fun Plus aren't, you know, aren't any good. I thought this matchup was something like 60-40 Fun Plus favored. I thought Fnatic was going to put up a better fight than they did. Uh, but, you know, Fun Plus is a, is a team that was right in the running to win this tournament. I had them in my futures portfolio. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought Fun Plus gained the most respect for me this weekend because I was worried after the group stage. 
I think this is a really, really good example of uh, – <laughs> it's, it's actually like a twofold thing, right? This is a good example of why you should take certain things from group stage, but why you shouldn't ex- like extrapolate to a certain like way far and beyond based on group stage either, right? We talked a little bit about it, but like uh, Fun Plus Week Two Fun Plus or not Week Two Fanatic rather Week Two Fanatic with the three zero run like getting in and everything like that was that was really cool. I told you guys after that happened when we recapped that last week that I had I had my doubts because I kind of thought they were gifted two of those games. <laughs> One by the RNG draft, and two by... SK Telecom played the worst game I've seen them play in a long time in that game. Fnatic did everything they were supposed to do, which I, that's all they can do, right? Like, I can't, you know, I can't hold that against them. But, like... And then the clutch game, they definitely... That 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 day was so bizarre, right? Like, going from looking like you're going to lose to clutch to beating SKT and RNG is, like, such weird flex, right? Like, this <laughs> yeah. is, like, such a bizarre day, right? Now... It's easy to get, like, caught... Like, I, I wrote about this, too. It's easy to get caught up in the hype in a situation like that. Like, where, like, yeah, maybe it's a team you want. A lot of people like Fnatic. They had a home crowd. Like, it was exciting seeing them go on the, the Miracle Run, right? Yeah. But if you watch those games, there were definitely things to be alarmed about. Right? Like, there were 100% things to be alarmed about. And, like, to me, they didn't really prove anything in those games. Like, in other words, when they won those three games that week, they didn't up my stock at all. Like, they got into quarterfinals, they didn't up my stock, like, they didn't up their rating to me at all. Because I didn't know what to take from any of those games, like, they didn't tell me anything. So, but then Fun Plus, they looked kind of shaky, but I was willing to shake them off, like, I was willing to brush that off to, to, the J-team win, the J-team loss was kind of a fluky, weird team fight that just didn't go their way. And they I agree on that it. one. But, like, they didn't look particularly sharp otherwise, and it looked like they were, like, I don't know, like, if they were testing their limits or whatever, if the tank champs just weren't working for them or what, but, like, it looked like teams had figured out how to beat them. Yeah. Just take the Wimby off, right? But that's a different Which topic. But, do. like, yeah, so it was kind of weird. These two teams were, were, to me anyway, perception-wise, going in different. Like, they were both coming in underperforming, but I think a lot of people have Fnatic overperforming when really I didn't. Like, I thought Fnatic was – I ended up betting Fun Plus in this. Not for a lot, but, like, I was on the Fun Plus side because I eventually – and I said on the podcast last week that I, like, kind of 180'd where I was on the podcast podcast last week, which was all these teams are pretty close to 50-50. I think Fnatic's going to elevate – like, Fnatic can't be as bad as they were in Week 3, which is why I was willing to take Fnatic anyway, like, on the podcast last week. By the time the game day rolled around, I was just like, you know what? I'm not betting on them to play closer to their ceiling. I don't know if you were either, and I ended up just taking Fun Plus because I thought the odds were good enough. Like, I just think I like, a, go ahead. I played a mixture of DFS lineups. Um, the only team I didn't play was Griffin. Like the when I got closer to it, I really thought that they were going to just get bodied by IG. But I, I played a mixture of lineups that had all the combinations of the other teams. I had Fnatic lineups, uh, a fair few Fnatic lineups, but I just wasn't. I wasn't really sure what to make of that series. It was one of those things where. If I was rating the teams coming into the, the group stages, I would have had, like, Fun Plus as up here and Fnatic right here. But then the performance of Fun Plus and the performance of Fnatic in Week 2 kind of moved them near each other. Like, I thought I always thought Fun Plus was a better team, but just from their, their recency kind of skewed them to the point where I thought it was more like 60-40 for Fun Plus. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole narrative about what you should take away from group stages about this because like even going back to the last series you could be like oh man you shouldn't judge group stage group stage just because griffin stomped g2 right 
But in this one, it's like you shouldn't judge group stage just because Fnatic went on a run either. You know, like. Yep, and there's other examples too. There's other examples. Yeah, like we're gonna get into that. Like, like Damwon and G two. Like it was. Yeah, Damwon I think is the one that people most overvalued because of the group stages. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like, let's 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 go into this one a little bit. Like, to me. I, when I, when it, when push came to shove, I was just like, I just think this team's better, and I think the way we talked about how this was going to be like a back and forth, like like lots of very different looking drafts kind of series, right? And yep. that was like kind of the case. Like they were pretty, like it was pretty mixed up. But like I told, I kept telling myself, I was like, unless Fnatic really really elevate, I just don't think any of that's going to matter that much. Like that, I I, I did because I tend to favor teams that are, that are like Fnatic, where it's like they're more versatile, they're willing, able to do more things, and like all they need to do is elevate a little bit to beat a team that like individually outclasses them, right? And I don't yeah. think Fun Plus even individually outclasses them by that much, but Fun Plus as a team, the way they play, the way they move around the map, the, and the way Fnatic likes to play the game was like what I ended up like settling on. Like after watching these and like really thinking about this series. I was like, Fnatic want to bring you the fu- like they want to bring the fight to you. They've always been that kind of team, right? Yeah. If you're gonna mix it up, and I, I wrote about, I call, I called it like, if this is gonna be like a bar fight, yeah. like, between these two teams, I'm taking Fun Plus every time. Yeah. Like every time, and that ended up kind of being the case, even though we had different looking drafts. These games kind of just evolved to, I don't want to say clown fiestas, but like they were scrappy. Like these games were scrappy, right? I did think Fnatic's individual plays. I thought Fnatic played worse in this series. Oh yeah, I, that I agree with. Used the play. I thought Hillisang was pretty bad. I thought Broxa was pretty mediocre. Whippo, people are going to give Whippo a lot of shit for the last game, but he was actually very good yeah, up he was until fine. game four. Game four, he, he didn't play the Kale uh, super well in game four, but up until that, I, I thought he was like one of the shining points for Fnatic up until then. I think really Hillisang and Broxa were a bigger problem for me, and Broxa not because necessarily that he was making terrible plays. But more than he just wasn't making plays at all. Yeah. Like there was, there was a point I can't remember what exactly where it was, but it was like TN had been involved in like eight or nine kills between kills and assists, and and Brox was like oh one oh or something. Like he just had not been involved almost at all, yeah, and that was of, just the difference maker in the game, kind of. I think like TN was pro. I mean, Dwayne was obviously ridiculous, but like, yeah, I think TN just was better in this series and that ended yeah, up being was. like I you you could honestly point to this whole series and be like Tian being better one than this series because like he was the one making all this stuff happen a lot of the time. He was outstanding in this series. Uh, I do agree that like Broxa was kinda I I said this during the games in our group chat, but like I, I I'm okay with a level like with these level ones, but like th- something about Fnatic just looked like they didn't trust themselves. Am I like am I nuts for thinking that or like am I overthinking this too much? That's how they looked in week one too. Yeah, it was the same like, thing. Yeah, they, it looked like they needed. They felt like they needed to cheese out wins and not like. And you know, if we can get this advantage in the invade, then we'll have a shot. Rather than like, we could just play League of Legends and we'll have a shot. Yeah, and like I, I actually, I, I'm willing to to like admit that like there, a lot of times like teams maybe they have some scouting. Maybe someone told them that Fun Plus just botched level ones and scrims all the time. Like this could have yeah, just could been be. like some next level thing, and if it works out, they look like geniuses, right? And they did pick comps that were better at level one, right? Yeah. So I didn't have a problem with it. The problem, it just felt weird to me. I don't know. Like to do it in back to back games. With you. I think it's all right to, to go for those types of things, but yeah. I, I did feel like it kind of felt like they were kind of desperate to come in. Yeah. And like they did in the first two games. I was like, why? Like, 
I get it. Like, game one, mix it up. Game two, like, you're going to run it back again. Like, maybe, like, Fun Plus, like, there's no way they do it again. But, like, to, to me, what made me what made me nervous about this wasn't the fact that they did the level two, like, the level one back-to-back games. It was, like, when you watch the actual execution, because there's a lot of strategy to level one invades, right? Yeah. They just looked like they were YOLOing. Like, if you, like, watch I... it, it looks like a solo queue invade. Like, there wasn't a lot of, like, forward planning about it besides their team composition, right? Yeah, so, and there was there was the one where I can't remember which game it was, but there was the one where they would have had a monstrously advantageous invade, except that Reckless yeah. was just in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah, and the rest like, of the team was not with him at all. And yeah, and like they were they were like split calls on targets, and everything. it just looked unorganized. Which kind of maybe it was just the fact that I've watched enough of this game that like when I saw that I was like they don't trust themselves right now, and I don't like to operate under that kind of thing. But like that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to, to quantify it, but like it just—I don't know—I just it felt that way to me, and maybe that's why Broxo was like not getting anything done. Maybe I mean I have to go back and comb over these with like a like you know like you know I got to look at these under the microscope these games more. But like maybe Fun Plus really just wasn't giving Broxo that much to like work with. Yeah, and you can get in your head too of like, oh, I should go gank top. Oh, but if I go gank top and Tian's there, like he's he's like he's had my number. Like if I go up there and he's yeah, there, then like, we're just gonna lose a two v two. Like I'll just leave it alone. I, like, I have to, like I said, like I have to go back because I don't want to pass like complete and final judgment on this. But, like I have to go back and find like maybe Fun Plus was just playing really clean and wasn't providing any windows for Brox to get anything done more than <laughs> it was Brox just being afraid to get anything done. But like that's definitely a possibility, especially after. I don't know. This series was really weird to me because Fun Plus played kind of cleaner than I thought that they would, <laughs> and like I thought the drafts were like kind of creative from Fnatic, but like the... it's the same thing with Invictus. And, like the Invictus Griffin series, like part of people, like I liked Griffin's draft in three of those games, but like the game they won, everyone was like, "Oh, there's no way you can't give you can't give Invictus Kiana and Vladimir." It's like I mean, you can <laughs> yeah. if you have, if you can, it's dangerous, but if you got a good game plan for it, you can execute. Go for it, and they did. Yeah. Right. Yep, and they won. Um, in this game, it's like, are you really going to give Dwayne Rise? Like, I know F- Fun Plus have enough of a pool that it makes it really challenging to just like not pick the Rise yourself either. Like, you you can't ban everything. So it's true. But like, didn't it just feel like why you can't give him this? Like, you just can't. Like, even even after they won that game, like, did you see what he was doing in the game that like Fun Plus lost? Oh in yeah. Series? Like, you can't give him this champion again. <laughs> I don't know. I- Fun Plus looked a little—I don't want to say like—it it could. This is another one. It could have been nerves. Like if we're going to go that that direction, I don't 100 percent want to say that because I do think Fun Plus just outclassed them to a certain extent. But like, I don't know, Fnatic looked off to me. I was hoping we'd see a better performance from them, but Fun Plus looked good, so we have that moving forward, which is good. Anything else on this one? No, I think yeah, I think that was a weird. It was a weird series where I felt like Fun Plus played very very well and Fnatic played a little bit below expectations yeah. and Fun Plus pretty much crushed them. Yeah, I think that's the general takeaway there. Um, we'll do SKT Splice. Yeah, I mean, I think we both had kind of the same takeaway from this series, which was Splice played very well. Actually, we yeah. both I think thought that Splice played better than we were expecting from them. Did Splice? Um, did Splice? Overperform expectations more than any other team in the top eight because I think they did. I'm not yeah, saying Splice. I'm not saying Splice was good, but like they definitely. I thought everybody else kind of. Them and Fun Plus, I thought were like maybe the teams where I was like, "Wow, these guys are playing better than I thought." And even in the game in the game four that they lost, I thought they were like right in there. Oh yeah, North Garen. I was very worried about North Garen, and I thought he had a very good series. Like a lot of really cool moves. There was um, 
The Blitzcrank game I don't was remember good. who it was. His Nautilus game, he pulled oh, – I'm trying to remember what the exact situation was, but I remember being like, damn, because somebody was in the middle of a move and he caught them with the Nautilus hook in the middle of the jump and, and stopped a potentially devastating tower dive in the bot lane. It really set them up well. So Norse Garen, I thought, played really yeah. well. Yeah, I, th- I thought Splice played pretty good. I mean, they don't have the talent to deal with SKT, really. I thought it was cool and- that Splice didn't – we kind of thought we were like, okay, they're going to have to get creative here, right? Like, that was part of the thing we were, like, hoping we'd, they would have to cheese. But, like, they looked really good, and they didn't cheese at all. Yeah, they like- didn't They didn't feel like – they came in with more confidence than Fnatic. They came oh, yeah. in and just said, like, we can, we can battle with these guys. And, you know, they didn't win, but they battled. You know, it's a great quote from um, – actually from Coma. Uh, mm. I think he said it's a Faker going into, like, his – it was, like, it was a few years ago, but, like, he said it's a, to, to Faker, like, in, like, some documentary. And he said, play without regret. And mm. I think I think Splice played without regret. Like, they, they took it to SKT. Yep. I thought SKT – and we said this before the cast, too. I actually kind of think this was the opposite of how, like, if you just, like, looked at the score and thought – like looked afterwards and be like, oh, Splice got a game good for them. But I think this was kind of the opposite of the first of, of like how these games typically go like play out, right? I thought SKT were kind of not trolling, but they looked a little bit loose in the first two games, partially because Splice played up, but like they the Lucian top like like clowning around a little bit here. Like Lucian's good against GP, like that's a good pick against him. I understand that, but like. SKT were just like we're just gonna lane you to death. Like that's how they that's how they looked at this series because like every single pick, like the Quinn, the Lucian, the Fiora, the Renekton, they were like, oh, we're just gonna outplay you, right? Like there was like Khan's just gonna destroy Chachi. Like that's how they looked at this series, right? And I, I actually thought the first two games were way disrespectful from SKT. Like not only in drafting, but like just the way they played. Like they they just took every fight. Like that's not characteristic of SKT at all, right? And then the third game, it looked like they were like, okay, we that was a little loosey goosey the first two games. Let's let's tighten it up, everybody. And then they just got beat. So I was yeah. like, I was like, I was I was like, damn, Splice, all right. And then Splice started off game four strong too. Yeah, it almost felt and, like the momentum was kind of moving over there. It's it's kind of weird. Like I I want to give a slight stock down to SKT here, but like mostly just because of game three and it's not because they lost but it's because they try hard they were like trying and lost yeah. and i don't want to say they weren't trying the first two games but like it's a little bit higher variance with these compositions they had in the first two games and if you just watch the way they were playing they were like yeah whatever we got this fight and they would lose it be like oh well, i guess we'll get them next time they ended up winning these games anyway because their macro is excellent but like oh I don't, did you feel the same way there like it felt like the first two games were like them clowning around which is usually not what they do like sk2 usually don't mess around at all it did feel it did feel a little wild. It felt like the last couple weeks of the LCK. The last couple weeks of the LCK, there was a couple times where I tuned into an SKT game and I was just like, "What is this composition? Like, this is a bizarre, like it's a bizarre, crazy shit." And that's kind of how I felt in the series. Like they were getting a little loose in the draft, weren't just playing a standard, uh, like just normal setup that they would normally play. But yeah, I, they probably did look at Splice as kind of somebody to look through and Splice kind of shut them up on that front and said, like, no, you're going to have yeah. to respect us and play good if you want to win this series. I kind of think that th- this is a thing that, like, really good teams do, and, like, you can hit, love it or hate it all you want, but it's, like, maybe something to factor in moving forward for uh, just, like, for betting purposes is a lot of times in, like, a longer-form tournament or a season or, like, before the end of the season when you're coming up on playoffs, you can get a lot of equity by just showing a pick that a team has to deal with or, like, just, like, planting the seed, right? So, yeah. like, maybe 
maybe their thought process was like, okay, if we're showing Lucian and Fiora and we're showing that we can split push, this is going to make teams more reluctant to play Gangplank or a tank, right? So yeah, it does, like, they do get some equity from doing this. They didn't look that clean, but, like, they're going to get some equity. So, like, I think a lot of times good teams will think that way. Uh, and I think right G2 did a lot of that. Oh, yeah, and yeah. When people were, were harping on G2, like, losing these games towards the middle and end of the LEC split, I thought there was a lot of this involved. Of well, G2, trying G2, stuff out and... G2 definitely do this the entire split. Like, they did this all spring <laughs> and all summer, where it was just like, yeah, like, whatever, we'll show this. Like, what's the team going to do next week when they have to ban, like, 15 champions? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, oh, let's uh, put Pike in the jungle. Like, why not, right? Let's <laughs> yeah, see how it goes. So, Maybe it's good. I was impressed with Splice. Splice showed up to play. Uh, they looked, I mean, it's SK Telecom. I think Splice looked better than they looked probably all year. They looked excellent in this series, and they did not look particularly great in this tournament besides this, if, if, if you ask me. Yeah. They, they looked good. I was impressed. Like, good, good on you, Splice. It went out with a, well, they went out fighting. It was good for them. Anything else on this one? Cause... No, I mean, that was probably the least interesting series yeah. overall. But I mean, SK2 okay. was minus 5,000, so I don't know how much yeah. you could. If you took if you took Splice to take a game. You made some good money. Actually, you would have won on the kill spread every game except for the second one as well. Just saying. Um, G2, damn one. All right. I have, I have thoughts on this one because I don't think either of these teams – played as well as they're capable of playing g2 pl- g2 looks like they normally do in, in game four of the series but i think besides that i think both these both these teams going into this series to me the story was both of these teams make mistakes they make a lot of mistakes actually but it's how they overcome those and i was i ended up on g2 for this series because i thought g2 figured their way out of mistakes a lot better than damwon do damwon kind of just do it by brute force kind of like an lpl team does where they're just decisive and do something, and that doesn't end up working out for them a lot of the time. G2 have – they can do everything. Like, they have all sorts of ways to figure out their issues, right? I don't think either of these teams play particularly well in this series. Like, I, I think they played well. They're world-class teams. But I'm saying relative to the level I expected from both of them, I kind of don't think either of them met expectations until G2 in Game 4. The biggest red flag for me in the whole series – was I didn't see the decisiveness in some of these. Like, from G2, when they were behind in a couple uh, in a couple of these games, I didn't see the decisiveness I wanted from them. Like, in Game 3, like, they called it out on cast, but I was thinking it before they even said it. They got this pick on Canyon, and I was like, they're way behind, and I was like, this is a straight, you just run straight to Baron. And, like, they, this, yeah, that's what G2 will do 100%. They'll dare him into oh, yeah. this fight, and maybe they'll lose it, but that's what you got to do. And they just backed off. And Damwon was kind of similar in game one. They they got a lead, and then they were, like, just kind of chilling and relaxing for a little while. And I, I don't know. I was a little bit worried with these teams not being as decisive and on point as I was expecting them to be. Uh, but I did think G2 played a good series. I thought G2 was going to win the series decisively. And it seemed like this morning when I logged on, like, a huge percentage of people were on Damwon. And if you went to DFS, like, I had some tournaments where Damwon were 60 to 70% owned, where... I thought honestly, I thought I would have thought it was going to be eighty to ninety percent G two. Like people lost a lot of faith from G two when they lost to yeah. Griffin, I guess. But Griffin's a great team, man. Like and anybody yeah. can lose to him, and G two can lose to anybody. So I think I don't know. I, I think part little, of that you have to cook a certain amount of like I, I do think there's probably a lot of that where people were overreacting to the Griffin losses. But again, yeah, Griffin's a great team. Like that's not shameful at all. But um, and you saw them body Griffin in the first game, so it's you know. I, yeah. I think 
a lot of people might have been on damn one just because everyone was so overwhelmingly on SKT and like there was only so many ways to construct with that That's in mind. True, it could be. Like I know for my for me, there was a way to construct where you could have a, a mixture of of Dam One and G two and have SKT. I just went all in on Dam One just for different like just to be different. That's I mean, you should have yeah. been all in on either G two or Dam One, whoever yeah. you thought was gonna yeah. win. Or Splice but... if you're hardcore, but <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so, like, that's how I was and, you know, didn't end up working out entirely for me. But I think, like, maybe a lot of people were thinking the same way where it's like, okay, like, I also think this series, like, you, you couldn't really go that wrong either way. I ended up betting G2 Moneyline in this series. Uh, and I said, like, on the cast last week that as much as I thought a lot of these were 50-50s, I actually thought this one, of the three really close matches, I thought this one was the one where I was, like, going to take. G2 just because in a best of five it's it's so hard to beat this team in a best of five man like yeah, they make I, mistakes but like just the the amount of things that you need to prepare for with this team it's it's just so challenging and you saw that yeah. like they they got I thought Damwon did a decent job managing these drafts but like you still look at these team comps and they still had to go pretty far into the pool you know how do you feel about the Zaya I feel like the Zaya is so strong I posted on Twitter about it but it seems like I've seen very few games where Zaya lost, and usually when she lost, it was a worse team that was playing her, like a significantly worse team. And I've seen multiple games where it felt like the Zaya was one v fiving. I like think Zaya, I think Zaya is the best CD carry. And... Yeah, she's been super strong, and Perks in particular is a fantastic Zaya. So I think if I'm SKT, I'm not letting Zaya out there. Well, I think unless I'm in... trying to first pick it. I, I I didn't mention this about the last series, but I thought Teddy was outstanding in this series this morning. Yeah, like in all the games, good. like he was really, really good. Um, anyway, uh, for about Zaya, right? So uh, we said going in, like coming out of the play-in stage, and coming into groups, and really it was like after the first like day of groups. I think we had a conversation where we were like, if you're a good team, you shouldn't give bad teams Zaya or Kiana. You just shouldn't because like they're the high, like. Zaya lets a bad player win that lane. It also and Kiana is high enough variance that she can snowball a game, and it doesn't matter. Like she's just overtuned, right? It's kind of like Pantheon, yeah. where it should be close to 100% picture band, right? Yeah. And I think you're starting to see that. Like the longer this tournament's gone on, Zaya's like been getting banned more and more often instead of picked. Like she's yeah. basically 100% picture band now. Uh. Yeah, I I think, you, yeah, you're right. Like you just can't give. It's it's a champion that you can't take lightly. Especially yeah. with Rakan being playable, I think one of the one of the weird champions to me is like Leona, because like I, I think this champion, it's it's good because it makes you decisive and everything. But Leona literally has like a seventy plus percent win rate, which is nuts to me. Like I feel like every time I see that champion, it's just like, I don't know, maybe like I just like yeah, yeah. Like I don't know, it's weird. But and she doesn't seem like she's that well positioned, really with, like, Alistair and Nautilus and all that, like, around. But I guess, like, you just need this. With Kale and, and Rise and Lee Sin and, like, a lot of these other – like, without Engage from the Jungle, like, you just need it, which is yeah, why I think we're seeing her. <clears throat> oh, this is interesting. This series was, was pretty whack to me. Like, like I said, like, I thought they kind of underperformed, but, like, gee, it, you, you saw in this series that even – with a scrappy, sloppy series, G2 is just so good at, like, finding their way out of shit. Like, they're just so good at it. Like, and it's so hard to draft against this team because you – they can flex every position. Like, red side doesn't matter against G2. It's, like, insane. Like, that's such a difficult thing to draft against. Like, I don't know. That that was my takeaway from this series. I, I kind of thought G2 – you saw – 
to me, this series was both of these teams showing you exactly who they are, even if they underperformed a little bit. Like G two, they get a lead and they want to put their they want to put their foot in the throat and take the lead. We saw in game four that like they gave they, like the game was over after the after the kills top lane. Like this game oh, was yeah. over after you got the kill after the teleport. It was over, right? And then you see Mickey and Perks taking all in. <laughs> with a wave under their tower, just to like try to put their, you know, just try to like close it out. G two do this. This is part of like why they can close a game in seventeen minutes, but it's yep. also why they sometimes get sloppy and let teams back into games. Like they definitely let Damwon back into that game. Like Damwon had no business being back in that game. But so, and then Damwon, like you saw that they just make macro mistakes. Like they're just not always where they need to be at the right time. They always feel like they're a step behind with that kind of thing. If they don't have a lead, they're like really hard to to expect to come back in a game. So, in in some ways, these two teams showed us exactly who they are. In other ways, they I think they both kind of underperformed a little bit at the same time. So, like and they we were, were right underperforming about versions of themselves. One of the stories for this as well that we kind of predicted on the cast was Nogari did not have a very good series, and Wonder had a very good series, yeah. which is something that we talked about. Nogari had gotten a lot of hype coming into this matchup, and I even heard some people say that was going to be Dan Wan's advantage was going to be Nogari into Wonder. And uh, we had talked about it on the podcast last week. The Wonder's been looking very good. And the Wonder's really good. Very good this tournament. So, and that that continued uh, in this in this matchup. Wonder had a very good series. I think I think Wonder is as good as all of the Eastern top laners besides like the actual like. True, I mean, I think he's pretty close to the elite ones too. Like, if you want to talk the shy and. Uh... Like Keen. I think the shy's the shy's like in his own tier for me. Yeah, and like then wonders think, in the next tier for me. Yeah, with I think like guys. wonders right there with like Keen and like some like a lot of these guys aren't at the world championship. But a lot of like the Korean top laners, I think he's there. I think he's better than Langji. Like, yeah, wonders a legit world class player. Good. He's really yep, good. Like, he's good. not the shy, but what that's like saying you're not Wayne Gretzky. So like, what the hell yeah. does that mean? Right? Like, <laughs> if you're the best player that's not Wayne Gretzky, that's pretty damn good. So yeah, um. We'll do a brief look ahead. Uh, like I said, we're going to record a second part to this. Brief look ahead, like early lean for who you like. We don't have odds yet, but uh, we're, we're going to do another half of the show. But early I, predicted, uh, I predicted IG versus G2 in the finals. That was my my prediction. I think G2 will beat SKT, which I think is going to be the most unpopular uh, thing. I just think SKT has never been great at handling like super malleable teams. Even the problem was back in the day when they played against super malleable teams, they were just at such a skill advantage that they that even though the team was getting an advantage from being malleable, they just didn't have the skill to stand up to SKT. And so I, I think G two is going to win that series. It's going to be that's going to be the most hype series of the tournament so far. I think. Yeah, I think this um, is. You can make an argument for this is like the final. Like this could have been a final, and it would have been the only thing. I would definitely say that if it wasn't for IG for me, I, FPX. I think they played very very well, but I think they lose to G two or SKT. Whoever yeah, comes out of that side, I, I do too. Um, IG has such a high ceiling, even though they have such a low floor, that I think IG is capable of beating either of them. So if IG plays at ceiling, I think they'll be SK or they'll beat FPX, and then they'll be a contender against every anybody in the finals. I think what's interesting for me is like. I think this SKT team is more equipped than previous versions to deal with weird stuff because they've seen more weird stuff. Like this is they're just better the equipped now. for sure. Like they're they're de- like I'm not saying that like they have all the tools. Like that's going to be the challenge here, right? Like that's definitely going to be the challenge for SKT. I do think I don't know, man. I, I think SKT take this. I know they've they haven't looked the greatest, but I uh, I said to you earlier, and I, I 
I can't remember if I posted it on Twitter yet, but I think SKT is the third most likely team to win. If they if they beat even if they beat G two, I would take IG against them in the finals. Which you take I think IG is, or Fun Plus? I think I would take Fun Plus too. I think whoever I think I uh, I think SKT beats Fun Plus. I think I, SKT, I, I think SK, I think I think whoever wins the series wins the tournament. I think they beat both sides of the other side of the bracket. I think either of these teams beat Invictus or Fun Plus. That's how I'm I would thinking. definitely say whoever comes out of G2 and SKT should be the favorite in the finals. Uh, but my biggest thing is I'm not sure that I think Fun Plus can beat either of them. Whereas I think IG can beat both of them. It's just that I think they'll be the favorite. I think that's that's so, actually a pretty good take. Like I think I think Invictus are more likely to take out SKT or G2. But I wouldn't say that they're favored in that match. Yeah, I mean, pe- people shouldn't. People seem to have forgotten that, like at MSI, IG beat SKT in like 16 minutes, yeah. just like completely dumpstered them. Like the IG's uh, is definitely not uh, out of the running to beat anybody that's left. I also, I also personally think I, that IG was way better than this IG. Ah, it's the exact same five players. The metagames changed a little bit. Their the teamwork changed, changed a, a little bit. The metagames changed a lot, and the way they're playing has changed a lot, which is why. I don't feel the same way, but I mean, the players are just really good. They, that's the coolest part about like all these teams is like the players are just so damn good. That, like on any given day, it's like, okay, like, you know, con just popped off, you, you know, like a, that, that can, that's a thing that can happen. It might not be likely, but that's a thing that could definitely happen. So, all right. Um, we will be recording a second half of this, so it's going to be kind of a weird tag, but, uh, we're going to be recording a second half of this once the lines come out and hopefully have Chris and Cal on board. We'll have this later in the week for you guys. But uh, we just wanted to do a brief recap, and uh, we will see you guys later in this week. All right, and let's uh, get ourselves into the semifinal slates here. We have Calvin joining us for this Hi. portion of the cast. Uh, we already informed everybody that we're recording this in two parts. So uh, let's dive right into the semis. Uh we got Inv- Saturday. We're gonna have Invictus against Fun Plus Phoenix. Invictus is minus one forty-five. Uh, the minus one point five is at plus one thirty-five, and Fun Plus Phoenix is plus one twenty-five. The plus one point five is at minus one sixty-five. A lot of different um, props and other things on this angle. Uh, I, Calvin mentioned something briefly before the cast that uh, he likes for a selection for this one, and I'm I'm kind of on on top of that with him. So. Initial thoughts on this this matchup? We, we 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 didn't really get a chance to talk too much about these. We talked a lot about the actual quarterfinal matchups. We have not dove into, you know, had a chance to dive into what we think of these these uh, semifinal matchups. So, whoever wants to take the reins, go for it. Yeah, this is this is a, an interesting matchup because I almost feel like they got the they got the odds pretty close to right, except they did it for the wrong reason. I feel like. Like, I feel like if they'd made these odds, like, a week and a half ago, they would have made FPX, like, huge favorites before the group stages started. And the only reason they're making IG favorites is because this, like, narrative, the, like... But really, I think there's reasonable evidence all year that IG should be a a slight favorite over FPX. Yeah, I mean, they they have split the series over the course of the year. Like, they're exactly three and three in games against each other over the calendar year. Uh, I, yeah. I only counted. I only counted games with the full lineups, and they were their only loss for summer. Yeah. They were FBX's only loss for summer, and that um, was with the full lineup. By the way, that was the second week the full lineup was back together. I think. Yeah, that was literally right after they got together. Which, yeah, in my opinion, that was probably at the lowest point in like their upside. So I don't. You you know you don't want to think too heavily into it, but I mean, 
IG's weakest point being FPX, who won the summer finals, is pretty good. So yeah, it's um, it. I wish this is a spot where I wish there was no juice, like, because I I don't really want to pay one forty five for Invictus. I think Fun Plus has a pretty good chance to win this series, but they don't. But you're losing twenty points of juice on Fun Plus is plus one twenty five. If Fun Plus was plus one forty five, I think I would bet Fun Plus, even though I think Invictus is going to win. I'm not sure it's spread enough that I want to pay minus 145, and I'd like to get a little bit more on Fun Plus. I think I'm going to be looking more towards props than money line betting on this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually it's weird, and it's it's not just the uh, like how these things happen, but like I, John, you make a really good point about just like market adjustments and how, yeah, you're right. Like a week ago, this would not this would have been probably flip flopped, or at least yeah, closer or to even... this, right? If you yeah. did it before group stage, I think they would have like I think Fun it would have been would've FPX been... minus two hundred plus. Like they would have they would have made Fun Plus a huge favorite. Yeah, I, I mean I don't oh before group stage maybe. Invictus yeah. was an underdog to like tons 100%. of before group yeah. stages. So like on that aspect, I like the whole like fading the public angle a little bit, but like I, I really do think this is like I don't know. I, I think this is closer to fifty fifty than I think you guys do. I think you guys are leaning a little more toward Invictus than I am. I do think Invictus are more likely to win, but I don't know. I, I might put a little something on the Fun Plus money line. Like, that's enough for me. I don't know if it's enough for you guys. Because, the, like, the way I look at it, I think Fun Plus are playing better now than they have really. Like, and we, we talked a little bit about, like, when we recapped the quarterfinals, how, like, that win against Griffin didn't particularly move the needle that much for me compared to what you guys did. Like maybe that moved the needle more for you guys, or maybe you guys are just high on Invictus's upside, like that they can get better than this. If Invictus can play better, like if Invictus can improve and play better than what they did, because they got they got kind of trounced in the openings of those games, in the at least mm-hmm. in the first two anyway, right? And I think yeah. that without mistakes, there's a good chance they go down 0-2 in that series. We've talked to, about this ad nauseum. We don't go into this that much more, but like I don't know if they're going to be able to get away with that against Fun Plus, but. I don't know, Fun Plus haven't exactly been playing, like, up-tempo either. They've had a lot of kills in their games and everything, but they're not exactly playing fast, you know? Like, they're willing to try to, and I know these teams are both willing to try to, but I don't know. I I think Fun Plus are playing at a better level now, but if you, like, kind of adjust them down a little and adjust Invictus up a little, then, like, I could could see it. I'm probably going to be a little bit on Fun Plus, but I think, um, Calvin, you mentioned the, the... kill totals you, know, you want to go into that because i'm kind of with you on this but you feel free to yeah so over the course of probably both series that we saw in the spring and summer split so in the spring split in 82 minutes of game time they had 84 kills and then in the summer summer split and this is when their entire roster came back uh ig's roster came back it was felt like it was more fiesta it was in 88 minutes there was 98 kills all right, so they're averaging like literally a kill or two per minute, and honestly, this this over on the kill total of twenty seven and a half is is pretty good in my opinion. So I feel like if I feel like they're just gonna duke it out, to be honest with you, I you know what I mean. I don't think they're gonna hold anything back. Everyone's looking forward to this IG FPX match, and I feel like doing B is not gonna play as conservative as he did. But I feel like he's gonna go back to his comfort picks because they know like how each other play. So I don't think they're gonna do anything like, you know, like crazy like other people think. So, 
I do think there's an interesting angle for like I mean this is kind of an interesting discussion on just this principle in general, which is I tend to think that you can't always attribute like the regular season stats to like what a, what a best of five series is going to look like because it's too easy to be like okay like these two teams played and like it was a serious matchup and everything like the but it's still like regular season in the LPL in a game that really I mean it mattered a lot for Invictus it didn't matter particularly much for Fun Plus who were undefeated at the time I think. And I think it's easy to, like, look at a regular season Clown Fiesta and assume that the playoffs are going to be that way. But I also think that even considering that maybe it won't be that bloody, that 27.5 is kind of low, like, on the low end. It is. Like, this should probably be 28.5 or 29, like, as the total. And wow. I even then I'd be considering the over just with these two teams and how they play. Uh, I, I, do, I do like the over. I was going to say, I don't know if you disagree with me here, Vince, I actually think the play is to fade the straight fun plus money line. I think if I'm going to take fun plus, it's going to be the spread. Yeah. I oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm probably going to be I'm probably going to be on fun plus minus one point five. I don't think I don't think either team's going to sweep this series. I think they're going to get games off each other. But I think fun plus minus one point five is better than the than the money line. I, I, there's a reasonable chance that fun plus just comes out and crushes Invictus. There's yeah. I, I, I'm edging Invictus, but there's a there's a reasonable percentage chance that Fun Plus just comes out and crushes them. Yeah. Um, so I think I'd rather take the Fun Plus minus one point five if I was going to bet Fun Plus. What I'm probably going to end up doing is is what I do a lot of times in in series like this, where like I, I think there's a favorite, and then that it could you know it's likely going to be a three one or three zero. Is that I'll do I'll do two thirds money line, one third on the minus one and a half spread. I do that a lot. Uh, basically, yeah, you kind of right. basically you kind of cover your bases, and when you have plus odds, it's even better because if both hit, it's like you know, nice, it's sort of like a nice payday. I do like the. I think twenty seven and a half is too low. I'm not saying that this is going to be like, you know, forty or fifty kill clown fiesta every single game, but I do think twenty seven and a half is kind of low just because these teams like to team fight. Like, I don't think we're going to see a split push angle in this game. Yeah, I think this is going to be team fights. Like, this is just sure. going to be heavy team fights, and like if you do see a split push angle, I mean. We we've seen people banning Fiora against the Shy, so like it, I think people are aware that the split push thing is a possibility. And with Gangplank on the table, like that's definitely an angle you want to be taking is like have a split push or to deal with him. But when there's a Gangplank in the game, even then there's just a ton of assist and kills going out usually with the ultimate and everything. So I don't know. So I I'm I'm on the fun plus side, but uh, to me this is like pretty close to a fifty fifty. I'm just taking the number. Yeah. I'm on an IG side, but yeah. I don't think I'm going to put investors in 145 as much. So, yeah, I think I kind of like taking either team at minus 1.5. If I'm going to bet Invictus, it'll probably be Invictus minus 1.5. And if I'm going to bet Fun Plus, I think it'll be Fun Plus minus 1.5. I'm not sure I see these teams going to five games. Yeah, I, I just yeah. I, I feel like whoever – you're going to have one team that's better on the day. It's, yeah, it's feel, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's more—it's similar to the way the Griffin matchup was for me, and that I think these teams are going to come in and do what they do, and we're going to see which one is is working out better, whether it's on the day or stylistically. Or... Yeah, I generally agree with that. Uh, any further thoughts on this one? So I think we all like the over twenty-seven and a half. I think that number is a little too low. Yep, I definitely like that too. Um, and then yep. I'm going to be on fun plus money line in the spread. And then you guys are maybe—are you guys like leaning Invictus right now and just going to wait and see where the number goes? Yeah, like, I I'm sure you. Be... I'm sure you could get better than this if you shop around. You should be able to. I don't know how much better. Maybe it's like 130 is the best you're gonna get. Like, so if it's like 130, are you, are you doing the Victus money line at 130? 
I think what I'd, I think what I'd rather do is just put a put a unit each on the minus one point fives. Yeah, just fair. see how it plays out. Yeah, because I, I do think that's the most likely. I, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we see a five game series, but like, I don't think it's likely as likely as people tend to think. We've talked about that a lot, so. Yeah, it wouldn't blow me away, but I think I'm gonna. I think I might just end up trying to take a small profit on the minus one point five on both sides. Yeah, that's reasonable. Um, Sunday, SKT uh, versus G two. SKT is minus one fifty five. The minus one point five is at plus one twenty, and G two the money line is plus one thirty five, and the plus one point five is at minus one fifty. Uh, we can bring up G two spreads if we want to, because I think a lot of people like G two in this spot. I'm. Um... My thing is, I think this is a, I think this is like a true 50 50. I, I really do. But my favorite bet, even more than G2 money line, I put it in my pick of the week down there. More than G2 money line, I like G2 game one. Uh, you get, you get plus 130 on them. Um, I think G2 is the kind of team that's much more likely to win a game one than SKT. And even if SKT wins the series, I think G2 still has a, an edge in game one, regardless of how the series goes. Yeah. I like so, this. You're getting like the same value as betting the G2 money line, except I think it's a bet that you also win a decent amount of the time when SKT wins the series. Whereas when G2 wins the series, I think they almost always win game one. And even when SKT wins the series, I think G2 wins game one like 50% of the time. So I really like the G2 game one bet. That's my pick of the week this week. Yeah, I like that like a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah, just because SKT have a history of, of not doing that well in game ones just in general. Like over this is I mean obviously like you can't compare this specific team totally historically but like there are some a lot of trends like SKT has a history of punting game one like not even punting just like not performing well in game ones and then they make all the necessary adjustments and then just smash you from their own forward like that's how this team has, has operated. Me. Go ahead. I know you guys probably talked about this. It's probably, it, it, you're, you're on the right trend because like when I'm looking at when I was watching that Splice game it looked like. I think Splice is going to be in, but that early game from Splice was kind of, con- kind of convincing that maybe they could, you know, push it through, push it through game one. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but I mean they didn't because obviously the the skill difference is pretty largely uh, between those two teams. But with G two and SKT, uh, I think like you know like uh, John said, it could it's fifty fifty for me. I'm I have no lead either way, but that game one uh, G two. Uh, that is pretty good. Yeah, we we actually when we were breaking down the quarterfinals, Cal, we actually were talking about how like, and maybe I don't know. I'll, I'll ask you because I don't I don't know if you agree with this or not, but it kind of felt to me that like SK Telecom were messing around a little bit, or like at least being a little disrespectful, or like trying to show some weird picks in the first two games. The first two games, yeah. In the first two games, and then they tr- like like went to like a more traditional like straight up like okay like we clowned around a little too much, and then they lost in game three. So it was like really weird, right? Yeah, it was like a super weird dynamic because usually it's like okay like we'll stomp we'll or it's like okay we'll 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 stomp the first two and then we'll mess around in game three and then we lose and then they snap it back in game four like that's that's a classic best of five like good team against the worst team strategy right not any strategy just like like trajectory like that's just how it goes a lot of the time right yeah and i mean we saw that in like european finals too it was like that kind of thing where it's like oh well they messed around for like two games and then they got it together or whatever but in this game, it was kind of the opposite. Like, I, like it wasn't like the smash two games, take it easy, or coast game three. I thought it was kind of we, – we talked about this too, how, like, maybe it's SKT trying to get some draft equity by showing some weird picks or showing the willingness that – I mean, 
if you look at SKT's drafts in that series, like they were pretty committed to like showing a split push strategy. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if that was just them fronting real hard, but like there's <laughs> it like, like it. Yeah, it like there's really equity to be like gained. Like I understand yeah. why they would do something like that, but like it definitely was. They definitely didn't look that. I, I'll give credit to Splice for elevating because Splice played, in my opinion, like their best series of the year. Like I think they played like four of their best games this entire year. Yeah, and like it's just it, yeah, it just didn't look that great because of the opponent they were against. But like we were criticizing Norskar in all tournament, he looked excellent in that series. Mm-hmm. Like he was, they, they were good. They were just on top of it. They were every, they were like ahead of every play. It felt like, and then they would just like get outplayed in that play a lot of the time. So yeah. So I mean, are, let me put it this way: Are any of us looking at that and like having concerns for SKT, or or was it more just like okay, like they were trying some stuff in the draft that maybe they wouldn't do? against a team like G2? I feel like they might try it against G2 because of how G2 plays, and they probably want to just match. I don't know. I want to say match like the drafts that G2 can pull out because G2 can basically have any draft they want and play to the comfort. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't think uh, – maybe SKT pulls it out one of the games, but I feel like SKT would just go traditionally – traditional style draft and then try to stop G2 as much as they can. Well, I think like so like I'll put this to both of you. Like d- does this move it, it, does this move the needle for SKT? Did that series move the needle at all for SKT up or down for you guys? Cuz it didn't do that much for me. Like I you I could see people thinking that it it moves them down a little bit. Yeah, it didn't it didn't move me particularly, no. but I do think that SKT is like by far the most overvalued team left in the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you look at their their results when playing against these kinds of teams in the last year, I mean, they've been very good, but not like a step above an IG or or a Fun Plus or a G2. Like they've pretty much been on par with all those teams and I think the kind of built narrative right now is that they're the big favorite. That's what the odds are saying and that's what the people are saying. And I don't know, I, I pretty much have these four teams are pretty close to inseparable for me as far as their chances to win the tournament. And so I, I I think betting against SKT just makes sense, given that I think they're the most overvalued commodity. Yeah, I mean, you're getting the most value betting against the most overvalued thing. Like, that's just how it works exactly. in exactly. the markets. So, like, I can totally understand. Like, I think SKT are going to win this series. But I think betting-wise, the, the, the right play is to be on G2 in some way, shape, or form. This, this might be a spot where I do both minus 1.5s, too. But I don't know. This could go the distance. What do you guys think on that angle? This one feels more likely to go five There's games distance than, yeah. than the other series. Uh, I kind of feel that way about G2 in general. It just seems like the style that, that they play, kind of like old Invictus, is is more open to having games where they can just slaughter anybody and other games where they look kind of stupid. Yeah. Uh, we don't so have this- times yet out. Uh, we don't have, like uh, – like match time or game time uh, totals out yet that I that I was able to find anywhere. If this is like thir- if the total t- like game time is thirty three, I like the under in at least the first two maps because I think with these two teams, it kind of feels like it's going to be one way or the other very quickly. Like I, I actually like that more than any other thing this week. Unfortunately, we don't have lines for it, but like if you f- see like a thirty three. I like map one under thirty three, map two under thirty three. Uh, that that would be my pick of the week if it was a possibility. So I'll I'll make, I'll make that like a bonus pick, I guess. I don't know. I won't count it to our total, but um, uh, that that's that's where I'm at on this one. 
I would lean SKT. I'm just not paying a buck fifty five for it. Yeah, it just seems a little too expensive. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is very close to being fifty fifty. So I'm, I'm probably going to end up with some G two money line, and I really like that G two game one bet. That's pretty much where I'm at. Yeah, I like the G two game one bet yeah. as well. I'm, I'm all about that. Um, let me see. I will say. Uh, it's possible that I'm slightly biased because I have like not lost all year betting G2. Like G2, I've just made so much money yeah. betting G2 this year in every <laughs> spot that they've been in. It, when every event that's that's been possible this year, I've bet G2, and they've consistently won all of them, including beating SKT at MSI. So, yeah, I, I might be a little biased on on the G2 side, but it they just it just feels like they're going to win this one too to me. Yeah, I just feel like G two are are the type of team to study as much as they clown around. They're the type. They're all smart players. They're incredibly yeah, smart. Absolutely, and they're and the way that they perceive perceive the game is a lot different than a lot of teams do, and it, it helps them so much. You know what I mean? It's it's incredible what these like players can do, and I think that's why I lean uh, G two as well. It's kind of weird to me that like I, I feel like if SKT came into this series not having ever seen G2 before or having played against them before, I would I would be all over G2, like, snap it off, like, no question. But, like, and there's really, like, there's no amount of games that, like, truly prepare you for this team, which is, like, the other thing. I just think you have to be better than them. Like, there's, like, I, I think, like, preparing for G2 is is, is a nightmare. It's, like, a huge edge that yeah, they have really over is. everyone, which is why they're one of the most unique teams I've ever seen. And I've been watching this game for you know, 10 years now or whatever, nine years at the pro scene or whatever. And I've never seen a team that's like that, like, like G2. They're, they're just so out there and, and bizarre and, and unique. I just think, I mean, as good as G2's players are, I, I'm, I'm leaning SKT just cause I think overall they just have better players. Like I know the, the difference between like effort, effort or Mata and, and Mickey is probably rather large, but like, I don't know. I don't even think it's that big of a difference. Like, Effort's been really, really good. Effort has quietly been, like, ridiculously good this year and just doesn't get the credit because of everybody else on that team. But I'm just not even sure I really even give SKT skill edges. Like, I think Wonder's playing better than Khan. I think you could you, – Clid and Yankos depends on the time of the year. Yeah, There's been that, times that year when I thought Yankos was better and times when I thought Clid was better. At this tournament, I think Clid's been better. Mm-hmm. Um, Faker and Caps – is so stylistic to me it's it's kind of stylistic for me in the sense that i think faker is a better laner and more dominant than caps has been this year but i think caps affects the other lanes better than faker does at this year so it's it's also it's also weird because faker this tournament has been like affecting the other lanes so it's like he's shown a different look too yeah he's been kind of a supportive player yeah Uh, and then i think that perks and mickey are super lane dominant and so that kind of just depends on how SKT plays. I don't think that Teddy and Effort have been that lane dominant. They're very, very good, but I don't think they've like been stomping bot lanes the way that Perks and Mickey do. So I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to tell. I really don't think there's that much of a skill edge. I will say, if you're not betting live, start betting live because I've made so much more money this tournament looking at the draft and then betting. I, I can't tell you how many games in a row – I've looked at the comps and told you who was going to win. Like it's it's a huge difference maker. So uh, not, that not, not in the, not in the quarterfinals. <laughs> <laughs> quarterfinals were kind of ass backwards to me. Like I felt like the draft <laughs> yeah. lost more than 
More, oh, I not not more than half the time, but like it, I feel like the draft lost more more like more often than it usually does. Like the only, I think literally the only game that I didn't predict correctly from draft. There might have been two. I, one of them was definitely the game that Splice won. I still didn't think Splice was going to win that game. Um, but the the IG series, all I predicted all the games correctly. Like so, so you can just tell so many so often from the. Comps. I think I think what's interesting about the like. We should do like we could do like a whole offseason cast about live betting too because like that was a good example of I would have been the only I would have been on the complete opposite side of you. Yeah, we would have been a different side. Yeah, of it. and well, that's what's people. cool because like it's easy to say like okay, this team definitely won the draft. It's like that's it's still objective, you know. Like that's, oh, you that's see people disagree on Twitter. Yeah. People that aren't us too. You see people disagree all the time. I saw um I think it was Marks that posted on there like, oh, this team stomp draft. And at the same time I was on my Twitter feed and it was like two posts right above his, there was like LS and somebody else being like, oh, they got dumpster draft. So well, like, I, do, you know, I always, yeah. I always love that. Like there are certain ones that line up in a way that it's like, okay, like universally everyone thinks this team stopped and it's over. Like the game draft, everyone was like, yeah, no, nah, that's not going to work. The RNG draft. Nah. Not yeah. Gonna work. Yeah. There's some that everybody agrees <laughs> on. And then some, it yeah. comes down to what you think. Yeah. Um, I know people that are that have like they're like doing like model work trying to set up like champion combination win rates and player combination win rates and like have it like run a, as the draft is is going through and like there's there's a lot of interesting stuff being done about that too. Yeah, we might have to do a side cast at some point about the fact that honestly the the future of betting at some point goes away once the models get good enough. Yeah. Then then you can like the best betters will just be model people, yep. but I don't know how far away that is in the future, but. It's true. Um, pick of the week. Uh, John, you already have one, so I'll let you, yep. I'll let you go uh, for it. Yeah, I just went G2 game one. I think even if they lose the series 3-1, I think it's really likely that game one is the game that G2 wins. So I just think there's too many combinations of results that involve G2 winning game one. That's their definitely their best game, in my opinion. I'd be really surprised if, like, SKT won game one and then G2 won the series. Like that feels like the best game for G2. So G2 game one at plus 130 feels like it has value both when they win and when they lose. Cal, you, uh, are you still on your over kill total? Yeah, I'm going to go over the kill total. So this is Invictus and Fun Plus. Are you betting each map or just the first three or? Usually the way I do these things, I bet the first I three because you never know if it's just will, gonna be a three zero. Yeah, I think I'm gonna bet each map in my opinion. Okay. Um, yeah. Let me see. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna so I'm gonna write it down. I, I put SKG two map one under the game time so whether this is 32 or 33 i like it at minus 120 or better most places you'll be able to get minus 110 or better i just put 120 just for the sake of uh safety there uh i don't i haven't seen this list anywhere yet usually a lot of the books nitrogen and five dimes and all of them won't put this up until like 12 hours before game time or 24 hours before game time so I'll put this one as my pick of the week and then if you don't have access to that i'm gonna i'll just say fun plus money line um, and if you have access to that, then go for it. I mean, it, we again, like I like the idea of taking IG and Fun Plus, both minus one point five as well. That's not a bad idea either. But uh, SKTG two map one under thirty three or thirty two uh, under thirty two is fine with me too. So, um, 
that's my pick of the week. But I, I like John's angle of the taking both minus 1.5s and the Invictus Fun Plus because I kind of think we're going to find out pretty quickly who's who's better on the day. With two teams that basically play exactly the same way and two teams that have been 50-50 against each other on the calendar year. Um, I'll make a note, by the way. We didn't talk about this, but in spring, Fun Plus uh, or, or uh, Invictus did start duking game three of that series, but they split 1-1 one, one before that, so it was kind of interesting. So, yeah, that's my pick of the week. Uh, I think we're going to skip on sign-offs for the week. Uh, anything yeah. quick? Quick sign-offs if you got them. I got nothing. <laughs> I'll say I'll say this argument that I was having on Twitter the last couple days, just as a small thing. Know the difference. I don't care how you feel about the argument that I'm having on Twitter, but know the difference between what what inting means inting means intentional feeding your your bot lane that's 04 because they're getting dived are not inting they're, they're just bad they're just dying and they're, i see way <laughs> too many people use inting in league of legends just as a term to mean someone that's doing bad what's well that's the meme right is that yeah. like that's what it is but if you don't know the difference between actual inting and someone doing bad, then you can't make an argument about whether or not those people should be punished. I see way too many people being like, my top laner went 05, he should get banned from League. There's a huge difference between he went 05 because he's trying his best, but he just isn't very good, and he went 05 because he's running into the enemy turret and dying repeatedly. Like, those are huge differences, one that should be punished. This is, this is like one of those things where it's like, okay, like the vernacular over the course of time eventually... Yeah, so like eventually, eventually, people don't actually know what the original intent and direct like like yes. definition. So there's was. a lot of people out there that just say anybody who did badly on their team was inting, and and they <laughs> then they make posts like I was responding to on Twitter where they're like, all these people that are inting should be banned. It's like I can count on literally one hand in the last like year how many games I played that had a literal intentional feeder. But every game somebody goes 05. Like literally every game I play, there's an 05 in there somewhere. We can't just ban every person that goes 05. Okay, we can't do it. Okay, that's my that's my sign off for the week. Uh, I would say just enjoy the games. That's um, that's my sign off. Real keep it real simple. Uh, it's been just kind of a crazy tournament. I kind of felt the quarterfinals were uh, pretty weird, like in good ways, like kept things interesting. And I think we have we have four very very solid teams, like really good teams left in this tournament. And I kind of think these matchups are the most interesting iteration of matchups we could have gotten with these four teams. Like, I would rather have seen Invictus and Fun Plus fight and SKT and G2 fight than... Personally, I think whoever wins SKT G2 is going to win the tournament. We'll go over that next week. But, like, I, I do like that these two matchups are going to be just, like, a good contrast of styles, right? Where like I will say, agreeing with you, I think I really hope IG wins the other side because I think no matter who wins G2, SKT makes for a super hype final if IG oh, yeah. is it. I think FDX mm. finals... FPX finals are a little less a hype on the hype meter than IG versus either one of those teams. Although it would be kind of cool to see Doin be in a final. That'd be pretty cool. I'm, I'm just ready for IG to win Worlds again. So. <laughs> Even when I, IG and G2 did not get a chance to run into each other at MSI. So we've yeah, not seen those two true. teams play each other in, in a best of five in these iterations. Should be interesting either way. All right, well, we are going to get on out of here. Everybody enjoy the matches, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Have fun, everybody. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. 
Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.